Good evening and welcome back to another live episode of Red Tinted Glasses here on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. I feel a bit like Shade and Morris just now being left isolated on my own, but don't worry, Phil Mayer is coming to join the show um, in a bit. Coming up on tonight's episode, we will look back at yet another six-goal thriller. I guess is the right word, um, as Aberdeen and Motherwell draw 3-3. And once we've dissected what was an eventful night at Pataudry, we will look ahead to the weekend's visit of Hibernian at Pataudry. But with Callum absent, of course, I'm going to make some substitutions and hopefully more effective than Neil Warnock's four changes to the Aberdeen starting lineup. Phil, better late than ever. How are you doing this evening? I made it. Sorry, I was eating eating some noodles and I didn't realise the time. I ordered some noodles on delivery and it, the time got away from me, Glenn. But yes, no, I'm good. How are you? Yes, good. Thank you very much. Hopefully I don't need to sub you off after 20 minutes and uh, we can keep things going. Um, but I think I've just about recovered from the roller coaster that is the, the game <clears throat> last night because... I think it was, I saw it was 71 years since Aberdeen came from three goals down. Last did that in 1951, ironically against Saturday's opponents coming up Hibs when we were both 3-0 and 4-1 down and the game finished 4-4. I can't help but feel last night did have that sense of another kind of Warnock classic and, and I did think we were going to do the unthinkable um, at, at one stage and, and come back and win but Alas, not to be in it, I can't help but feel two points dropped. And we've only really got ourselves to blame, given the, the team that we started the game with. Yeah, um, I think it was one of those things where, I, I don't know, the, when the lineup came out, I, I was kind of shocked because um, I just didn't really see Warnock ever lining us up that way. Um, you know, I think it's kind of been well, well documented that, you know, the five at the back just hasn't hasn't worked for us at all this season um so yeah it was a bit of a bit of a strange one to start with yeah what did you make of of course four changes to the starting lineup Kel Roos coming back in in goals in place of Ross Doohan um Duke dropping out for me was a, a bit of a surprise more so with Shady Mo keeping um his place in the starting 11 Stefan Gartman um Jamie McGran, Connor Barron also returning to the starting 11, um, Angus McDonald and Richard Jensen dropping out as well. Um, I'll go into a bit more detail, but just first reaction to seeing kind of those changes. Yeah, I mean, I was like you, the, the Duke one was probably the biggest shock to me. Um, I think, you know, when Warnock first came in, he sort of, well, we all sort of thought he was going to maybe try and promote a bit more width. Mm-hmm. Um just, just with the style of football that he plays, um, you know, sort of quick, quick counter-attacking wingers, um, and I think you know the 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 lack of Duke was um, a bit bewildering, especially with the impact he had when when he did get into the fold. Um, yeah, and yeah, like I say, Morris keeping his position just makes I don't know. As much as I like to sort of laugh and joke about Shady Mo, uh, he's not a footballer, is he? Well, the thing is, he didn't even keep his position. He was deployed yeah, in, a, yeah. in, in a different position. But uh, as Kaiser pointing out, one natural centre half was unbelievable. You know, we had one centre back, one striker and eight midfielders um, in that lineup. And 
you know, after the game, Neil Warnock coming out and saying that Richard Jensen was ill and it threw all the plans out. If that was the backup plan to Richard Jensen being ill, I do have a little bit of concern around that because what does it say for Angus McDonald? Because we've basically restructured the back line to accommodate a winger at right wing back, which we've seen already this season under Barry Robson, doesn't work. And we've then taken Nicky Devlin, who has a good engine on him and can get up and down that flank as a right wing back into an unnatural position at right centre-back in a back three, a back three that has not worked for this Aberdeen team all season. Why, when you've got a natural centre-back and a centre-back that did very well for us last season, and quite ironic after after the last episode where um, I think it was Scott McLennan said that Callum was trying to gently remind me that maybe McDonald wasn't that good, well, I would fucking rather have Angus McDonald in at centre-half than Shaden Morris at right-wing back um, going forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I mean, I think it kind of confused me even more because I think on paper, McDonald's the type of player you would think would be one of the first in a Warnock team. Like, he's, you know, a traditional English centre-half. Like, mm. you would have thought that he would have been <clears throat> in at the spine in the same way that Shin is, you know, the first name on the team sheet in his midfield because it's yeah. the same sort of thing. He's a traditional ball-winning, no-nonsense midfielder. So, yeah, to, to, to admit him to put Shady Moe at right wing-back, just uh, beggar's belief, really. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and uh, as Paul Donaldson pointing out, if Angus McDonald isn't available, we've got Jack Milne who could play in there um, as well. And I can't remember if Jack Milne was actually on the on the bench or not, but I just hate this, you know, what is it, putting square pegs into round holes. It, it doesn't doesn't suit us. It, ne- it never has. And, I mean, the the first 25 minutes was probably the worst football I've seen all season, and that's going some. And I think when you looked at the team lineup and the first 25 minutes as a whole, had the manager not been Neil Warnock, I think the, the chaos coming out of the stands would have been even worse than, than what was already there. And I'm not saying just because it's Neil Warnock, fans aren't annoyed because you just... I know you weren't at the game last night, but the, the reaction coming out of the stands was just so much fury um, and I think as well frustration because we could all see quite clearly, certainly, you know, just looking how early we gave away the penalty, that Shaden Morris wasn't working. I think the one positive was that Neil Warnock did react. It was just unfortunate that it was it took us to be 3-0 down before the, the reaction really needed to come in because, to be honest, he could have made that change at 1-0 and he probably should have made it at 2-0 as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, the likes of Morris, you know, he's, he's not great anyway. But, you know, it, it, it's even tougher on him in the fact that he is thrown in at wing-back. And I think we've said it multiple times this season and, you know, in spells of last season when he was deployed. In that position, you know, the same way as, you know, at times Ryan Duncan gets played at wing back. You know, it's, you know, it's it's no fault of theirs that they don't have any positional awareness for that, but it doesn't really excuse the the lack of effort and just the general lack of ability. And I think that's the thing as well. You look at look at the squad. There's players who probably should be getting more game time that aren't, um, for the for the likes of Morris. 
Yeah, and I, I totally agree with this point from Ali Penman as well. If we started the way and lineup we had after going 3-0 down, we win that game at a counter. And I'm sure there's plenty of people just looking at even some of the comments that are coming in with us live here on the YouTube channel tonight. So many people took one look at the, the team lineup and went, the fuck is that? And, and I'm not singling out any one player, um, as I know it will probably feel that we're doing. Um, but I think you take one look at that team lineup and say, one centre back, one striker, the fuck are we doing? And I think, you know, listening to Sports Sound on the way, the way home last night, uh, Willie Miller said even Stuart Kettlewell alluded to our lineup and almost maybe being a bit disrespectful um, to Motherwell by, you know, maybe coming across as we just need to turn up and beat this Motherwell team, given kind of what had happened at the weekend for, for them. And, kind of us disrespecting them by only going with the one centre back, um, which maybe incentivised Motherwell for that that opening 20 minutes. But incentivised them or not, our performance was an absolute disgrace uh, in that, that opening exchanges. In a game that, you know, many of us would have felt was one that we kind of really had to win to kind of increase our chances um, of getting into the top six. Yeah, and I think... It's another thing as well, you know, like 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 we're saying about the one natural centre half. We know how good Motherwell have been going forward this season. I mean, Blair Spittles had a career revival in some senses, you know, like his output's been amazing. Theo Bayer as well has been mm-hmm. superb and obviously we've seen that um last night as well. Um so yeah, to to I, I can kind of see where Catwell's coming from in the sense that it's it's quite disrespectful to them and it, you know, and it, it's almost naive in a way, which is quite surprising given, you know, the, the experience in the dugout. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And the thing as well, you know, speaking about last night as a game that we, we had to win again, Kaiser making the point and it was something that we were discussing in the office today out of our three, out of our games in hand, we've taken three points, which is utter shite. And, you know, we speak about, St. Johnston away, we need to win to boost our chances. Draw. Dundee at home, need to win to go above them, boost our chances. Draw. Motherwell, need to win to boost our chances, go above them. Draw. Really, that sh- those three games, and given the way that the games went, okay, maybe, maybe not the Motherwell game, given we were 3-0 down, but St. Johnston should have been three points. We literally threw it away, Kel. Roos, I'm not looking at you. Dundee, 1-0 up, cruising. Again, throw that away because we don't react to the game. Obviously, he goes on to see Barry Robson lose his job. Last night, don't even start with the the, the right team. Put ourselves 3-0 down. Yes, we come back to claim a point. Unlucky with VAR not to claim all three. But we should have never been in a position that saw us in, in the way we were. So we keep shooting ourselves in the foot just now um, and another point that's been raised a few times is once again we're almost turning into a 45 minute team um, given the way we seem to play in spells of games yeah it's it's a little I would say it's a little bit concerning obviously it's still early and in, in, in big Neil having control of the squad but, um, but yeah it's I guess it's been the story of our season, really. Like even when you look at the, the European games as well, you know most most games that you know we, we have a solid foothold foot in, we, we just throw it away, and it's mm-hmm. you know 
through no quality of the opposition. It's usually just through errors or yeah. people just sort of switching off at half time and not coming out of the race the second half. It's I don't know. It's it, it's one of those things where it almost makes you think: Does it go bigger than the manager? Like, is this really mm. just you know? Is is this just the mentality we've got as a squad, which you know is arguably pro- probably more concerning than who's in the dugout? Yeah, or it, it points to you know. I know I've banged the drum about the about the squad being good enough. Are there question marks got to be asked of the squad itself? I know question marks will be certainly asked of the recruitment, but is the squad really as good as we we thought? Um, kind of as as you've mentioned, maybe mentality, maybe characteristic. But again, we obviously showed a bit of that to come back from three 0 down. John Keel can't make tonight's live, but did leave a comment before we went live. Um, saying that yesterday was both what is the problem and potentially the solution. The playing squad is so one-dimensional, but there's no way I could see us coming back from 3-0 down before Warnock. And certainly on that last point, I said that as well. I think under Barry Robson, we we don't come back from 3-0 down in that game. I know a few people have joked at the fact that Barry Robson wouldn't have changed it until the 70th minute um, if he was still in charge. But even you know when, when he makes the double change to bring on Angus and Duke, I couldn't help but feel there were certainly a few players that thought, I need to put in some effort here because I am going to get my bollocks shouted off um, at halftime if we go in 3-0 down. But on the, the, the point as well about the squad being one-dimensional, again, you look at Shaden Morris, there's only one way he's beating a man and it's drilling a ball past the defender and hoping to swing it in. He doesn't even mix it up. He doesn't look to cut inside one attack and then drive down the wing the next. The defender knows... I'll just give you space to knock the ball by because that's all you're going to do to me all, all, all evening. Uh, and at times you go back to the game against Bonnie Rigg when we were struggling to break down a team, we'll just hump it long and hope for the best. Yeah, no. And I think that that's that's the issue. I think, you know, more so the fact that we have become so one-dimensional and, and the fact that we, we tend to be quite narrow in how we set up having quality in wide areas I think is really important and especially if an end product um from, from your wide wide players as well. Um mm-hmm. so you know it's and that, that that's one thing about Morris as well. It's like he can knock the ball past you as much as he wants. His final ball is usually pretty shocking. Yeah. He's not a great finisher. And you know, um I'm not trying to say that um Vinny's the answer, but you know, <laughs> at least at least he could come in, he could go wide, he posed a little bit of problems. And it's the same with Duke. That that's the, the 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 joy that Duke brings is that he makes defenders think and he causes problems. And he can actually create on the back of that. Oh, my my other my other kind of fear on the back of last night as well is obviously how not only how poor Shaden was and what that now means for his appearances the the rest of the season. Just when you mentioned Vinny's name is, if he's not to play another minute for Aberdeen this season, we're only really left with Johnny Hayes. Killian Phillips, we don't really know if he's an out-and-out winger. Uh, Ryan Duncan uh, at a push. I, again, I don't know if winger is his natural position. Again, question marks around the, the recruitment uh, and the, the lack of depth in that area, an area that we've known all too well has been a problem, but potentially goes deeper to the fact that we knew this was a problem going into the January transfer window, and we stuck it out with Barry Robson for whatever reason, in the hope that it would get better. And again, shooting ourselves in the foot. And maybe on the fact of dropping points last night, our only real hope of 
European football this season is winning the Scottish Cup. Yeah, it's um, as, as, as every as every week goes on, it's um, it seems like it's just getting a little bit more distant. That sort of um, this the sort of golden chalice of European football, um, and I think <laughs> you know for 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 Cormac as well. That's you know that 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 should have concerned him long before you know we sacked Robson, because um, mm-hmm. that that that's the money maker. You know, we we need that income to make us competitive we need that income to sort of boost our sort of lucrative nature as well because you know the 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 likes of signing another Miofsky when he inevitably leaves in Mm -hmm. a season or two if you've got that lure of European football makes that so much easier you know and no one likes to hear us say Aberdeen's a stepping stone club but for a playing perspective it is every club's a stepping stone club Mm -hmm. even your big clubs like AC Milan are stepping stone clubs these days so it's you know, there's there's absolutely no shame in it, um, but yeah, it's um, we're lucky we've got a somewhat favourable draw in the cup. Obviously, Kelly at home will be tough, but you know it's nowhere near as bad as what it could have been. Yeah, and look, uh, you know, VK puts a point saying, you know, it, good grief, the bloke's first match was a week ago. He barely knows the players' names. He might not know the players' names, but hopefully he knows that not to pay, play a, a back three anymore and. Again, that was kind of the point being made on Sports Sound last night, um, with the fact that kind of doing that sort of experiment of a back three to see if it suits the squad is something you probably do in August, not at this sort of stage of of the season. But this is where we've we've kind of have put ourselves. And you know, Johnny Main, who's been on the podcast before and speaking about the the Aberdeen manager's job not being an apprenticeship you know saying last night as well it's not just an apprenticeship it's not an apprenticeship or should be seen as a holiday um for managers and I know there was a bit of frustration at, at some of Warnock's comments after the game or his mannerisms which we'll, we'll come on to but uh Willie McPherson did send me a message earlier that, that did make me laugh and I know I, I passed it on to you as well when he said last night was another horrid experiment gone wrong when you want to bake the perfect cake, you need all the ingredients. Warnock forgot to add the flour and now was left with egg on his face. And I'm sure he won't make that same mistake when we come to the starting lineup against Hibs on Saturday. No, and I think he's got that added into this as well. Of um, you know, as as he said, um, I think in one of his, his first pressers, you know, Nick Montgomery was one of his boys, and uh, when he was a he was <laughs> a coach, was one of his players. And you know, that that added into to get you know just keeping him in his place, letting him know that he's. He's still the master, as per se. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he just comes out, you know, no nonsense, back four, strongest team, you know, we've got, which, you know, really was the team that, that, that came out after the half-hour mark and last mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully just pulls, pulls something out of the bag because we really need it. Yeah, we really do need a bit of Warnock magic coming into the, the weekend or, or just something to go in, in our favour because, as I said, in terms of talking about on the pitch, it didn't really work out that way. And Shaden Morris kind of set the tone for that opening 25 minutes in his own poor personal performance, giving away a really cheap penalty, getting wrong side of um, the, the Motherwell player. And it just looked lazy. It looked looked poor and... Of course, um, the player that I slated on the podcast in Theo Bear makes absolutely no mistake in blasting it high into the roof of the net to, to give Motherwell the lead. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have any complaints about the, the decision. I mean, and like I said earlier, it's, you know, 
majority of Morris's fault, but I mean, you know, partly not 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 to blame. I mean, he's not got the experience to to know he's going to get caught goal side uh, wrong side of the player uh, in that position. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was just a lazy. I've got to make a challenge, so I'm just going to throw a leg in. Um, but yeah, it was um, wasn't a great start. No, it wasn't. And the things didn't really get better either, of course, Motherwell finding themselves 2-0 up. And I can't remember if when they hit the post, if that was at 1-0 or 2-0. I feel like it was at 1-0. Um, but that ball across the, the face of goal, both McKenzie and Gartman kind of left it to each other. I think McKenzie think Gartman's going to get it. Gartman doesn't get it. McKenzie leaves it. And, and thankfully... Um, Kelrus is alert and manages to push, push it onto the post and, and for us at that stage it, it bounces out but what proves to then be that the next goal was in very similar fashion when the, once again the ball's driven across the face of our goal and I don't know when I was watching the highlights back earlier for me I wasn't quite sure if Gartman could do better it kind of reminded me and I'm sure it was in a Watford game when the striker kind of fools the defender by shouting like leave it and the defender then leaves it and goes on to to score instead because he kind of goes to to clear it stops and Theo Bear thinks well my Christmases have come at once I'll really make Glenn eat his words and doubles up Motherwell's lead yeah no I'm I'm the same as you I, I, I don't know if the shouts came from a Motherwell player or if the shouts came from you know, Roos, which would seem a bit strange if it did, but mm. um, yeah, I, I don't know if he was just all about sixes and sevens. Like I say, being the out and out centre half in the team, I don't know if he was too focused on trying to coach. Not that he would need to coach the likes of Devlin, but you know, try to coach them through a little bit in terms of holding the line and whatnot. That he just switched off completely. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was a bit of a calamitous. Um, second goal can see even like you mentioned kind of like a couple of the defenders switching off even I'm sure it was the second one as well where Shaden Morris was kind of just in the middle of our half and the just kind of just jogging back there was no intensity to to get back in and get in front of the get in front of the ball and and make life difficult and kind of the same when it comes to the third one he the third one, look, is he's really unlucky. It just so happens that he's the player. The ball deflects off of back into the the path of, um, of divine to to make it three nil. And at that point, obviously, there was a few few members of the the home crowd that that departed. I remember turning to to Ian and Patrick and said, "Well, if this goes three nil, I'm going." And then looking at the clock and went, Fuck, "I'm going to be home by half eight. It's way too early to be home. I'll give it give it another five ten minutes, and in the end, I'm glad I did stay. But um, I, I don't certainly blame anyone for leaving uh, at that stage because, I mean, what we were being served up was nothing short of atrocious. Yeah, no, the third goal was um, again. It's it's one where there just didn't seem to be any fight or hunger. Really, I feel like you know Spittle shouldn't have been able to take it as far as he did in the box. Yeah. You know. It felt like so many players turned their back, and again, like like I said earlier, Spittles having a, a decent season so far, um, and you know that's the sort of player that we need going forward. Um, you know, just someone's going to pick the ball up and drive. I feel like sometimes we're we're too reluctant to just take on a man. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, like I said, nothing much uh, Morris could do. He did look a little bit gormless, kind of standing around in the box, but did kind of ping off him. 
Really yeah, but, um, like a bit like rabbit in the headlights was was Shaden Morris it. probably, and I think probably as well. Like thinking, not again. Like yeah, I'm involved and again. I mean, like I say, I mean, I, I do feel bad for him because I mean, you know, when he when he did get subbed off, that must have felt awful. And like I say, I mean, I'm, I did see earlier that his Instagram he deactivated his Instagram and stuff. So like, you know, if, if folk are DMing him and being RC, just it's a bit daft, really, but. I, I know I was gonna I was gonna ask you of course as you know Neil Warnick said he wasn't afraid to to make changes if things aren't aren't going the way as I said personally I think he could have maybe made them a bit sooner uh, and Shaden Morris and Dante Polvara both were were taken off Sam Gordon making the point here that Warnick made a point of explaining things to Polvara in depth when he hooked him he didn't even look at Morris and obviously um you know I was mentioning about the, the kind of comments that were heard from from Nicky Devlin last night um aimed at either the crowd's reaction or or Shaden Morris as well and if it was aimed at the, the crowd's reaction because certainly when Dante Polvara was was the first man to be subbed off there was a lot of booing and for me I personally felt really sorry for Dante being the the first player taken off in that situation and I think that was probably what the booing was aimed at Dante being the, the first player taken off as I think the crowd expected it to, to be Shaden um, and I think Dante can feel a, a bit um, unfortunate I guess in that sense he's not it looked like he was trying to be played off in behind Boyan Miofsky and that's not his role um, and then Shaden Morris um, obviously ironically cheered off um inside half an hour what, what do you make of obviously fans that that do that I mean everyone's obviously entitled to their own opinion but as you you know you mentioned there he's gone and deleted his social media but already having a, a tough time as it is you can understand can understand the fans frustration though yeah no definitely I mean and like I say like football's a game of emotions people are frustrated people have spent hard-earned money they've sacked off going out on Valentine's Day to watch Shady Mo putting an absolute stinker um so no, I, I get it, but like I say, I mean, I, I, I do, I do feel sorry for him, and you know, even, even Povara as well. I think he's had a bit of a, a clean run in, in in the media that's came out after it. But um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's difficult. You know, it's going to sound very sort of the little tofu and karate of me, but you know, we we all have bad days at the office. It's just unfortunate that as an athlete, your office is you know, eleven, twelve thousand people, um, and if you have a bad day, it's very, very public. Um, yeah, so I, I I hope it's one thing that doesn't knock him too much. Like I say, whether I want to see him in an Aberdeen shirt again, I don't quite know. But you know, he is young. I suppose he is really our main conventional winger that we've got at the club at the moment. Um, mm. We did sign him for a hefty fee, which we're probably not going to recoup unless he pulls out a stellar performance towards the end of the season. And um, mm. so, yeah, it's it it, it it's a tough one, but. Um, yeah, I can see why you got the the sort of stick he did coming off. And I think you know a couple of the points here you make as well. It's it's the you know other fans of other clubs will will probably laugh at this, but it's the pressure of playing for a club like Aberdeen, where the expectation from our fan base is so high. And unfortunately, the level of performance that we've seen from Shaden Morris hasn't matched the price tag that we paid for him. Um, and obviously there's another couple of players in there as well when you're forking out that sort of money we're expecting um, better um, whether or not 
Shaden can handle that pressure and expectation obviously remains to be seen. I know he's been unlucky with with injury as well, but in, in nights last like last night, it doesn't fill us all with with much hope and confidence that that can be done going forward. Um, I suppose the big positive, of course, is on the back of then making the changes uh, in the way that Neil Warnock does, is that we grab a goal back so quickly um, and do it off a Motherwell um, throw-in. We win the ball back well, some good interplay between um, Boyan, Leighton Clarkson and Duke. And for a player that a lot of our fans have been... Mm, I wouldn't say up and down on, but unsure on given his performances this season. That was a really cool and confident finish from Duke um, and probably one that he needed um, as well um, to get us back into the game. For some reason, VAR wanted to take an age to check how they could rule that out. Yeah, and I think, well, you know, we'll, we'll come to it later, but I mean, what I, what I noticed with that one I'm pretty sure when I was um, having a look at the, the, the footage this morning, um, was that VAR took the line from the Motherwell defenders outside of his shoulder, mm. um, which you know compared to the one later I thought was um, was rather rather ambiguous. Um, but no, I think I think Duke getting getting back on the score sheet, um, you know, it only does wonders for us, and it's one of those things we were hoping um, Warnock was going to be able to sort of instill. You know, bring bring back the Duke that we knew, give him that confidence, and I'm hoping that he's given him that. I mean, like they looked like they were very buddy buddy at the full time whistle, um. So you know, hopefully that, that's that's just a sign of him becoming more comfortable, getting back to his best, um. And yeah, like, like I say, if if we're going to be playing a four three three or whatever it might be going forward, I think Duke's got to got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, and that, and that point there about the the buddy buddy Neil McPherson picking up there the arm round the shoulder from Warnock showed um, last night. She made the point before about she, she felt it's very evident that that Robson belittled Duke. Obviously, not seeing as much much game time, maybe an attitude um, issue. I know there's been kind of rumours around that, but we kind of saw last season if you kind of care for him, if you kind of nurture and make him feel loved we get the best out of him. And clearly, Neil Warnock's taken that approach, as Neve says, the arm around the shoulder, you, you know, the buddy-buddy approach as you go to, feels that affection and he wants to re- repay that that faith to not only Neil Warnock, but also the Aberdeen support. And by doing, by getting himself on the score sheet, lifted the crowd, but lifted his own confidence. And the good thing was, we kind of kept our feet to the floor and put Motherwell on the back foot. And, and for those that maybe watched the game on, on Friday night between Green and Morton and, and Motherwell, when Morton took the game to Motherwell, they looked scared, they looked nervous. And once we scored in that first half, that's what Motherwell looked for the, the remainder of the half. Yeah, no, um, like I was saying, just going back to that, I think we can all see that Duke's a confidence player. I think he always has been. You know, when he went on that run last season, um, he was unstoppable. And it's just a shame he's not been able to go on a run so far this season in the same way mm. that Blake Simeofsky has. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think Motherwell's issue is, I would say their back is very similar to ours in the sense of it's not very assertive. You know, mm. Liam Kelly is not the most commanding goalkeeper. Their back line doesn't really like stepping out too much. 
Um, and it's it's the same as us when, when when we have a lot of teams on top of us, we can often crumble because we just don't seem to have that sort of solid organisation at the back. Um, mm. And yeah, and it's again, it's it's one of those things where you know we're going to keep on saying it. Everyone's going to keep on saying it on Twitter that if we just came out like we did after the half hour mark, right from minute one, you know, we probably would have ran away with the game quite comfortably. Mm. Yeah. Um, because it was it was it, it was a totally different team um, effectively, and that was only in making two two changes. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a strange one really. It was a team of two shaky keepers. Yeah, but also you mentioned kind of Motherwell having a bit of a, a shaky defence. Ironically, on on the flip side for us, once we brought Angus McDonald on, our defence looked a lot more assured. Yes, Motherwell. Um, go on to, to score a, a fourth goal which was, was disallowed and did cause opportunities uh, in the second half but most of those opportunities were coming about down to the fact that we were pressing and they were looking to catch us on, on the counter-attack and again as Neil Warnock pointing out the fact that Angus McDonald tired towards the, the, the kind of end of the game due to, due to lack of match minutes really um, but again as I said kind of bewildering how he's not played as much this season but back back to the first half and we get ourselves right back into the game Stefan Garteman scoring his first goal at Pataudry um for for the club Liam Kelly adamant there was something wrong in the build-up I don't know it what what it was if because I know you were watching on TV if there was the, the commentary or what the the VAR check was for I think it was first of all a foul and then possible offside but Again, a, another lengthy check. Yeah, I, th- I think he was calling for something inside the six-yard box. I didn't didn't catch it because we were um, we, we were out last night. But um, I think I think from what I could see on on the highlights and stuff, I think he was calling for something. I don't know if he was just sulking. There was too many players around him, as keepers tend to. But yeah, I mean, I didn't see anything wrong with it, and I mean, it's a it's a good finish as well. To be fair. Yeah, and I mean, I thought it was a good initial save from from Liam Kelly, uh, and then obviously Garman in the right place at the right time to to put the ball in the back of the net. And I just wondered if Liam Kelly was just protesting to just try and slow the game down in the hope that VAR could maybe maybe find something, but thank thankfully not, despite um, VAR's best attempts. And that for me was the big takeaway from from last night's game is that all our goals, including, of course, the, the fourth goal that was disallowed from Bojan Miowski, all our goals went to lengthy VAR checks and there never really seemed to be a opportunity to celebrate. You know, I'd have probably been bouncing around at, at 3-3 and similar if we'd gone to go 4-3 up, but it didn't have that kind of energy lifting and I think it also kind of affected the crowd as well because... The crowd were right up at 3-3 and then I was like, oh, we have to wait. Oh, yeah. You know, we couldn't. And players likewise, I'm sure, wanted to just get going straight away. But each time we had to wait a good two, three minutes before we could carry on. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where it is true what they say that VAR does sort of kill it from a spectator, like an in-stadium spectator's point of view because you don't know what's going on it's fine watching it on the tv because you've got the replays and you kind of go oh there's maybe something there or blah 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 when you're in the stadium it just totally sucks the soul out of you and even mm-hmm. more so when it it seems to be such a regular occurrence for us you know like thinking back to the majority of the games we played at Pataudry this season there tends to have been a lengthy 
VAR stoppage yeah. for what is most usually nothing. You know, going back to the Celtic game, you know, the, the lengthy offside check for, I think it was Abada or Palma, what are their Yeah, was, yeah. Um, Palma, yeah. And I, I, I just don't quite understand it because there's plenty of times where we've, you know, conceded goals or had potential penalty shouts and it seems like they just get brushed away almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it's very tin tinfoil hat wearing potentially, but you know, it, it it's just something that just doesn't quite add up, really. It, it doesn't, and obviously Paul making the Paul Donaldson making the point as well. One of the goals, I think, I'm sure it was a second one when it, it was a VAR check for offside, then a foul, then it was offside again. Fans in the stand have absolutely no idea what what's going on. VAR is not a, a, for a match going fan. It is all. TV benefit, um, but unfortunately, it's here to stay. And I, I saw obviously it's the, the been the mid season review for VAR where the accuracy has increased to ninety eight percent. So the SFA are, are happy with it, although they've came out and identified thirteen mistakes. I think it was, um, and two of the thirteen mistakes were in games involving us, which should have seen opponents receive red cards. Um, retros, you know, being upgraded. So, and obviously, we've still not discussed the the fourth goal from last night's game um, as well. But quite weird from last night as well that going in three two down um, at, at half time felt disappointing, and Motherwell probably delighted to hear the half time whistle when it came. Yeah, no, it's um, the momentum is definitely with us come half time. Um... And I'm just glad that we managed to come out with traps equally as quick um, mm. second half. Because I think if it had gone longer without us getting getting the equaliser is when I think Motherwell would have kind of grown in the game a bit more because we would have just shot up shop um, almost immediately. Yeah, and I agree with that as well. I think, you know, staying on the on the front foot for as, as long as possible in, in the start of that, that half did prove beneficial. And being in the red shed, or certainly if you're at that end of the, the ground, the equaliser seemed very weird because you don't really see it kind of going in. It was based more off the reaction of those in the, the lower deck um, reacting to to know that we've we'd equalised. And, and for me, that was another kind of Duke of old, the way he was in the right place at the right time and the ball somehow finds the back of the net in off the post. And I think on the last episode, Lee Seymour was talking about being on Bojan Miofsky, first goal scorer for the last five or six games. So um, blindly, I, I followed his faith and had Bojan to score an Aberdeen to win, only for Lee to, to tweet us last night to say that he had Duke last goal scorer at 14s or Duke double as well at 11s. And I was like, oh, you could share these before the game, not after um, instead. But but well done, Lee, on, on your winnings. But... Uh, Look at three three, Phil. You couldn't help but feel there was probably only going to be one winner at, at that stage, and all the momentum was with Aberdeen. Yeah, no, definitely. And it was a, um, like you say, it was like the Duke of old. I think to to hold off the the two defenders and sort of, you know, somehow managed to get his head to it was, um, was you know what what we're all wanting to see from him. Um, and it was it, it it felt like it was all us. I mean. Like I say, at this point, I was just running off of the the, the foot mob stats um, <laughs> as I as I walked back from from Princess Street. But um, and it seemed like you know, apart from obviously XG, which 
take that as you will. Um, <laughs> it seemed like it was all Aberdeen. Um, you know, Dave was... Cormack's definitely taking the the XG um, out of that because a few folk have, have picked up on, on this point and. Uh, in the comments that the musical box saying personally I was disappointed we didn't push on enough after we equalised I wonder how much that is down to some of the players really bursting a gut for me Connor Barron, Leighton Clarkson were really motoring trying to get everywhere and at times we were leaving gaps in behind that that Motherwell could could exploit on the on the counter, and similarly to that as well, Kevin Grant saying, "I thought we lacked composure after we equalised. We went back to the long balls instead of keeping the ball on the deck and working spaces. With more than thirty minutes left, we should go and win the game." And I, I tend to agree with that from Kevin because at times when Angus McDonald was like pinging low drilled balls in behind for Duke to chase to chase we were causing Motherwell problems but Motherwell are such a tall physical team anytime we put the ball up Bevis Mugabe Callum Butcher were like thank you very much I'll have that and likewise if if it allowed Motherwell to return the ball high up in there they had Theo Bear they brought on John Jonathan Obika as well to be a physical present and try and ruffle up Stefan Gartman and Angus McDonald so resorting to the hoofball played back into Motherwell's hands and allowed them to to get a footing into the game for 10-15 minutes and really did kind of sting some of our, our momentum um, after we equalised. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's I mean, that's the tactic that, you know, not, not to try and sound like I'm belittling Motherwell or, you know, similar teams. That's the tactic that they tend to prefer coming to Petology with. I mean, we've seen it for years. Mm. That's why St Mirren tended to be so effective against us. Um, you know, it sort of nullifying it because they had tall physical strikers and they had giants in defence. Same with Livingston, you know, tall mm. physical striker, giants in defence. Just going back to a hoofball does nothing to help you in that scenario, and it's exactly what they want you to do. And that's why, you know, like like I said before, I think I've I think I tweet it most weeks when we play bad is that width wins games. You know, when you're coming mm. up against teams like this, you know, you're just needing someone that's going to stretch them wide and create that space in the middle for someone to get onto something. Yeah, and I agree with the point from Sam Gordon who says, as a positive, I thought Barron was brilliant again last night just everywhere. Um, he's kind of really been putting in a shift and, and this is kind of why I thought that under Neil Warnock we do kind of bounce back compared to obviously previous management because these players, and, and you kind of detected it a little bit from Leighton Clarkson in his pre-match presser where he speaks about really kind of learning from Neil Warnock and wanting to impress him because he has this aura where when he speaks, you listen. Um, but yeah, it, it feels weird to be positive about these things because I, I do feel it's two points dropped and it is a game that we shouldn't have been putting in that position. Um, I think Paul Hannon sums up a, a feeling amongst, I'm sure, a few fans as well, where he said, Warnock said in his first interview let's have some fun well let's not if it's like last night well certainly not like the first 26 minutes um Boya Miofsky does find um himself in good space when he's looking to get on the end of balls from Leighton Clarkson and does find the back of the net but the linesman's flag was up very quickly um so you know and certainly again in real life at, at the game I thought Boyan was miles offside so thought this one wouldn't take a, a long check. Lo and behold, it does. 
And if you look at the still that's been put out on, on social media, we retweeted it off our, our Twitter account from uh, I know former guest of the show, Alan McCarley. He put up the, the picture. <sighs> Scottish football and VAR doesn't help itself with, with the line drawing for, for that one, does it, Phil? No, it's... From, from where the dotted line's coming down, it looks like it's onside. And I don't know if it's just the angle it's at that's made it go skew with or what. And like I say, the fact <clears> they've <throat> taken the line from inside the Motherwell player's body seems a bit strange. Like I say, the, the, the earlier one, they took it from outside of the body. Um, mm-hmm. I just and, and even then, it's like, if you're calling his head offside, from, from the still, it looks like his head's getting pushed offside. So then are you going to flag it as a pen? Like... What are you going to do? It, it's strange as well because, as you say, the the line on the the Motherwell defender it, it kind of looks a little bit curved, but on the the lines down from their armpits or whenever you're you're pulling the line, Boyan's line is behind that of the Motherwell defender, but then when they draw the lines on the ground, Boyan's is suddenly in front of the defender. But, um, apparently, offside supposed to be the one that you can't argue with with. Um, VAR, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, bring it, bring in what is it? Bring in the the the, the Arsene Wenger rule. Give him, <laughs> give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, this is the thing because I did wonder, you know, surely benefit should be going to the attacking team. But I know a lot of people have said, well, surely we should just go with what's happened on the field. But on the field was was flagged offside, so maybe for those of a, a Scotland rugby um, persuasion. If uh, the on-field decision is no goal, then they have to find conclusive evidence to overturn said de- decision. And if if last night's had been flagged onside, um, then they should have to find conclusive evidence if it's a decision that tight to, to rule it offside in those situations where a piece of paper could barely separate the, the two players. Yeah, this, I don't know... It, it... Again, it's it's the tinfoil hat in me that that just wants to scream conspiracy, but um, I just I just don't yeah I, I I don't quite understand how they've they've come at that conclusion so assertively, hmm. like you know and and like I say it's a whole thing with the lines and how they've been drawn that just yeah I, I just can't quite wrap my head around it. Yeah, um, Stuart Kettlewell um, complaining about Motherwell's disallowed goal in the second half, ruled out for, I mean, eventually ruled out, I should say, for the most blatant push of Callum Butcher's career into the back of Nicky Devlin, um, who then cleans out Jamie McGrath, in turn cleaning out Kel Roos. What I will say is, can Kel please learn to fucking catch the ball because he should have been catching that cross in the first place, not just punching it straight back to danger again. Um, but I don't know what Stuart Kettlewell's complaints is because it's a, a blatant foul. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just the classic. You know, you'll you'll fight your corner regardless of mm-hmm. you know how small that hill is. Um, but yeah, no, it's yeah, I, I, I don't think you would have ever got that. You know, unless Stuart Kettlewell himself was on VAR. But. <laughs> Uh, well, of course, Stephen McLean on VAR last night, whose brother played for Motherwell. Just, just saying, you know. Since you put your tinfoil hat on, I'll put mine on um, as well. God, this is going to become like uh, Infowars. Let's <laughs> yeah. into the glasses, Malarkey. <laughs> um, ultimately, though, you know, we couldn't c- 
complete the turnaround. We do draw 3-3. Do you agree with the sense that overall it feels like points dropped? Um, especially these home fixtures, you know, I'm going back to the Dundee game, the game last night as well. These are games where we should have been taking six points, not two. Yeah, no, I think I, I think it, it does feel like two points dropped, like I say. Um, the, the team that came out at the start just felt like it negated anything you know, positive that we could have started with. Mm-hmm. I think as well, it's important with the games in hand that we've got and the fact that, you know, we were all kind of hoping we were going to be sprung on a, a new manager bounce. Um, it was games that, you know, games like Motherwell that, that we would have looked to have sort of propelled ourselves up mm-hmm. um, and back into that sort of top six shout and then sort of where more, where, more towards where we want to be. Um, yeah, and that's the thing now, the remaining game in hand we have it is, of course, that away trip to, to Dens Park in the middle of March, where I, I'm not sure what the goal difference is because I've not, I've not looked at the table, but we'd at least draw us level on points with, with Dundee at, at this moment in time. So it's not like it would even currently leapfrog us in to the um, top six. Uh, a debate I was having with um, Graham at my work today, would you take finishing in the bottom six if it meant winning the Scottish Cup? Because his argument was... Unless you get, if you get into the top six, is it really great if you don't finish in the top four because potentially missing out on European football? Of course, winning the Scottish Cup guarantees you European football as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd be inclined to say yes, and that's purely just because I've never seen us win a Scottish yeah, Cup. And yeah. um, so it'd be a fun one for, for, for me. And but like I'd said earlier on, you know, Europe is the moneymaker for us. You know, whether we finish ninth or we finish fifth. You know, it's mm-hmm. not really a big difference. You know, ninth place isn't going to bankrupt us. Fifth place isn't going to boost the bank balance enough to do anything sizable um, to and sort of challenge. At, at this rate, you know, given probably the overhaul that's needed to the squad, the, the income we're probably going to get off Bojan Miowski and, and the sale of Lewis Ferguson from Bologna, if of course he does go, probably negates a, a bottom six finish um, this season. But of course, mm-hmm. we're, we're obviously hoping that we do finish up as as high um the the table but um yeah i think you know if you offered the fans a, the chance of silverware versus the and you end up in the bottom six most fans would probably take that um but of course the opportunity to continue the march towards the top six does continue this saturday as i said hibs are the visitors to Pataudry. three o'clock kickoff um what do you think neil warnock's learned from last night um in terms of how he lines the team up Presumably oh, not oh, with the back. Fucking two. <laughs> yeah, um, it has to be. Yeah, it? It, it's got it's got to be a four at the back. Whether he goes four four two, four five one, four three three, I think our defence is geared for a four, um, and I think we've got the correct bodies in the midfield um, to 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 go with either you know a four and a in, in some sort of diamond or you know a five, um, as as I think Neil Warnock tends to. Tends to tended to prefer anyway. Not that we seen it last night, but but tended to prefer over his career. Um, Richard Jensen missed out last night due to due to illness. Um, obviously Angus McDonald coming in after after the half hour mark, and for me, impressing. But you know, given what we saw in the first half an hour, it wasn't hard to to impress. Um, on on what we'd seen, who do you think Warnock goes for? Um, if the choice is between Richard Jensen and Angus McDonald. I think he'd probably go for Jensen. I think 
purely just to have that left-footed centre half in there, but also, you know, like like he'd said that that McDonald wasn't quite up to his match fitness, and I think mm-hmm. throwing him in off the bat against the likes of Yuan and and that new French boy they've got, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. <laughs> um, you know, the, the the speed that they've got, if he's not fit enough and he's not sharp enough, he's more than likely just going to get turned um, pretty easily. So I, I think he'll stick with, and I think so, consistency in centre-half partnerships is so important. So I think he'll stick with mm. the two that know each other and whether Angus sort of comes on later, you know, whether it's either a straight swap or if we are sort of sitting comfortably and he, he wants to throw an extra centre-half to, to, to assure things up, not that I'm ever going to be a fan of that, but mm. you know, if he does want to get him some minutes in the legs, then you know, it's it's definitely doable. Yeah, I suppose one thing I did enjoy last night about Angus McDonald was when Motherwell were starting a counter attack and he was like, "Fuck that," and just cleaned. Um, I think it was their substitute Sam Nicholson, just cleaned him straight out, just took one for the team, and that's kind of some of the no nonsense approach that I want to see because sometimes we're a bit. Um, pussyfooting around making some tackles um, in those situations where it just breaks up the play stops the momentum of the, the attack so um, or that's him just countering the, the tiredness that, that, that came in um, you'd expect Duke to, to come into the starting lineup um, probably in, in place of Shaden Morris um, would, you, would you expect to see Shaden Morris involved in the team at all this weekend? think just due to lack of actual team he's most likely going to be on the bench mm. but I think it's probably wise to keep him out if he can because mm. um, I think you know I don't think the ovation to him coming off the bench should he need to would do much for his uh, his confidence or his <laughs> overall desire to play I think though that it's an interesting point because if you bring him on uh, and the game's saying nil-nil and we're bringing him on to try and influence the game, you're probably right, the ovation, and be like, oh, for fuck's sake. But if we're 3-0 up and you're bringing him on just to try and give him some minutes and try and do something to win the crowd back, you'd like to think that fans aren't going to be booing him onto the pitch when we're 3-0, 3-0 up. But yeah, I think, you know... <laughs> yeah, as I say, you'd like to think, but yeah, stranger things have ha- have happened. Um, obviously, Dante Povara, as I mentioned, I, I personally felt unlucky to to be hooked after after half an hour. Do you think he's potentially a player that may not start this game um, at the weekend? Obviously, Killian Phillips on loan from Crystal Palace may be pushing for for a start as well. Yeah, I think I think it is all entirely dependent on how, on how he lines up the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether he goes to the four or a five. Um, I would like to think it'll be you know, sort of Shinny and Baron holding the fort for the main part. And then whether he goes with, you know, like we've seen in, in one of his earlier games, you know, Povara, McGrath and then Phillips sort of floating around um, sort of as a mix being box to box and, and sort of out and out tens. Um, you know, Clarkson as well. I thought, but he did look a little bit laggy when, you know, towards the end of the game. So whether he gets a little rest and sort of, mm. sort of comes on to influence the game later yeah. if needed. You know, that's always an option. And I, th- I think that's the sort of joy we've got just now with having likes of Phillips, Povara, McGrath at our disposal. It, it does give us options off the bench which can actually provide something different in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that that's a very good point uh, about kind of the legginess and, and being able to alternate that kind of 
player in behind um, Boyan Miofsky. And what, what was, I guess, pleasing last night was the fact that obviously Boyan didn't even score last night and we still managed to take something from the game as well. So we weren't overly reliant on him. But I guess it was a, a case of last, similar to last season where when Boyan wasn't scoring, it was Duke that was, was propping us up. Um, in terms of Hibs, it's difficult to know what to uh, expect from them, of course. Um, you know, this new financially backed Hibs, but still inconsistently, um, inconsistent as ever. Um, but it feels a bit rich saying that, given what we've seen from Aberdeen this season. Yeah, no, I think um, Hibs always tend to come out the same way. They, they, they try and have a quick front line that, that can hit you um, on the counter. You know, they've got They've got midfielders there that can create chances and, and can can pick out a pass, um, and sort yeah. of you know they'll, they'll 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 just flood the channels as they always do, you know like yeah. I say that they're they are a classic pace merchant of a team, um, which you know it it works for them so I don't expect them to do anything different. No, I and I expect them to come up here and, and look to play on the front foot and cause us problems. But interesting, you know, seeing comments from Hibs fans is uh, kind of around um, Nick Montgomery's stubbornness, um, kind of, I guess, what we have saw in the early part of the season and that kind of being detrimental to Hibs um, at this, this stage. So, you know, as much as he's still kind of new and learning, he's maybe not won all the Hibs support over as yet. And it could be a game where we look to frustrate Hibs and obviously being at home, you wouldn't like to think you hear much of that away support, but try and frustrate Hibs and, and build the momentum within within Batodri and get the, the crowd going because, you know, as I said from Wednesday night, you know, 3-0 down, the crowd, some obviously rightly left, but there's the momentum grew, the crowd got with the, the team, so it would be nice for us to kind of start this game on the front foot. Yeah, and I, I think Warnock's needing that as well. Um, you know, he's, he's not exactly been on the front foot, um, you know, in, in how we've started the majority of the games outside Bonnie Rig. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'd, it'd be nice to see see us come out the traps a little bit, see him get a little bit excited and G'd up on the touchline and see if that sort of then sort of trickles into the actual, you know, product on the field. Mm-hmm. Um would be would be interesting to see how that dynamic works as opposed to sort of immediately coming in a little bit sort of standoffish and, and just trying not to make any mistakes. Yeah. Um one last thing then before we wrap up. Um Warnock's kind of comments after the game, you know, it's kind of a bit laughy and uh, and jokey. What what have you made of kind of some of his his comments? Because again that seems to be something that that split the the support. I personally can't help but feel you know, last night when he's laughing at the first half an hour, if you don't laugh about it, you're going to cry about it. And I think those that are thinking Neil Warnock's coming up here and, and thinking it's a joke, I would have loved to be been a fly on the wall in that dressing room because I don't think he was laughing and joking with the players at, at halftime. I think he's experienced in putting on an act for the media. And I think that's all it is. It'll be an act for the media and something totally different behind closed doors. No, and I think that's the case. I mean, people, I've seen people saying that, oh, he doesn't care. And I think, well, if he didn't care, he wouldn't have changed it as quick as he did. Um, mm. But also as well, I mean, it's rare we would have came back from 3-0 down earlier on in the season. It's rare that we would have made the changes when we did earlier on in the season. Um, yeah. and, and even then, it's like, I guess it's just from, you know, what I'm like. I know that when I'm in sort of 
situations that are sort of, I guess you could say, a bit more awkward. You know, no one likes to speak about how bad they've done 30 minutes in a game or whatever. Yeah. I get a little bit laughy. I get a little bit jokey because I, you know, I, I guess it helps me not go absolutely tonto. Mm. Um, so I think people are just reading into it far too much. It's his personality. It's what he's going to be like. You know, it's he's always been like that. Um, yeah. And I think people are just trying to pick at it for something to be annoyed about. And I guess, you know, from some of the ones that I've seen, it's been like, a, I told you so. Like, mm. haha, look, I, I knew it was going to go this way. Um, but, you know, if things are going positive, I can almost guarantee that that wouldn't be the tweets that are going out. But hey-ho. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I agree with West Coast Don. I don't get why there's any focus on Warnick's interviews. He's playing the media. Bring it on. Um, let him play the game. If he's playing the media and focusing on what's going on in the pitch. But I guess it goes back to what I kind of mentioned a few episodes ago. He's obviously going to be judged by what happens on the pitch. Uh, and obviously that kind of opening half hour still stung for a lot of us. Um, so I, I do understand why people are getting their knickers in the twist. But once the results, fingers crossed, start coming, then um, I'm sure we'll, be all with, we'll all be with him. Because 100%. are you with me? So. I'm always happy um, going. Phil, thanks very much for joining me um, this evening. Well done on lasting longer than 20 minutes. Um, maybe that was just me channeling my inner Barry Robson failing to make any subs quicker. Um, no, but it's the first time anyone's ever said that to me, Glenn. <laughs> but thank you very much for ably filling in once again in the absence of Callum. Um, myself and Callum will be back on Monday evening, providing he's not working at Nando's. Um, he's not on the episode, so he can't bleep this out. Um, looking back at the weekend's action and, of course, taking a look ahead to the trip to Rugby Park. Um, so Neil Warnock will finally get a week on the pitch with the team ahead of that trip to face um, Derek McInnes. So thanks once again to Phil. Thanks once again to all of you that have tuned into this stream live on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel and have commented along. Remember to hit the like button if you're watching subscribe as well wherever you're listening and watching as well it's free to do so on all our platforms until next time see you then